Christ's mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you recovered from Easter? Seriously? Nobody asks that. From Christmas, we'd understand. Christmas hijacked with all that crowds in on the incarnation, a mixed bag right down to shopping bags that proclaim Jesus is the reason for the season. But Easter? Uh, Easter's different. The Easter bunny is no Santa Claus, and this is no sepia-toned season for giving. There's a feature story in last weekend's Wall Street Journal in the review section. Right on the front, big picture story continued on the inside that tells us one reason why this is so. The challenge of Easter, why has Easter resisted the commercialism of Christmas? Because whether you're a believer or not, there is no way to ignore the radical claim of the resurrection. Easter is there because of the claim that Christ Jesus is risen from the dead. Not even just risen in the kerygma, but in that proclamation because of the assertion that this is concrete fact, historic reality. That's awkward to say the least. The Wall Street Journal said it. Whether you believe it or not, what are you going to do about it? What do you think of this? The claim matters because the theology, the promise that his resurrection is yours, is tied to that event. St. Paul says it, if Christ isn't raised, your faith is rubbish. And then, in the same chapter, he provides a host of eyewitnesses, and so Easter is indeed hard to sentimentalize. There is not the crush. From the start, it was also hard for Christ's followers to grasp both the event and what followed after. In Luke 24, from the first visitors to the tomb right up through our reading this morning, the followers are always seem to be thrown for a loop and have to be put back on track. The women show up at the tomb to do one thing, sent away to do another. Two fellows on the road to Emmaus are troubled and then set right, and now, even after the others came to share the news, the disciples still, still were wondering. They're perplexed as well until Christ shows up and puts things together for them. They're thrilled. Eventually they're thrilled, but they're also right at the start, not quite at ease. They're unsettled about this business of the Christ, the way the resurrection has unfolded and unfolded so fast. It's not clear what they were expecting or what they thought they might have done about it, if anything. They're happy, but unsettled. It's rather like, to be honest, our sort of second text this morning, the little cartoon in your service folder. They just wish he'd have called first. Isn't that something? In truth, no position to do anything given the way they've acquitted themselves these last few days and even earlier. Yet when handed a gift such as this, the disciples still have their bedenken. They were German. Their bedenken, they're kind of, oh, I'm not so sure about this. They don't know quite what to make of it. It's unsettling. 
but we know it would have been nice if he'd have called. It's pretty clear in Luke's gospel that Jesus has his own timetable and his own way of doing things. They unfold quickly, not the way disciples might have expected them to happen. The first word comes to the women, maybe not the best witnesses in that day and age. Memo to disciples, maybe it's time to rethink the old ways, but that would perhaps be a lot. At the moment, they don't quite believe it, so Peter has to go for them and take a look someone from the right sort of folk. Then two others going to Emmaus not only get a word but a lesson on how this all fits together. And they make the journey back to Jerusalem. Again, the A-list disciples had been passed by, getting the word secondhand. What's going on here? And then Jesus finally turns up in their midst. And they still don't even quite get it until Jesus explains, he even has to show himself to them, prove he's not a ghost. Eventually they're thrilled, but things seem to be going so fast, there's no time. Jesus made connections, he underscored the core message that he had died and risen to assure that those who repent and believe that message share in the same, and then immediately he says to them, I have something for you to do. And he sends the disciples and sets them up for the next stage. Okay, stay in the city, wait for the gift from the Father. And when that spirit comes, as we know, the spirit will empower the message and will also remind them that they are only the means, they are not the end. It is the Christ who counts, the message that counts. Great, the disciples must have thought. We just wish he'd have called first. It's often said that Mark is an evangelist who's in a hurry. Mark peppers his gospel with, and immediately, and straight away, and then something happens. But Luke here isn't letting any grass grow under his feet either. More precisely, Jesus isn't. He is a Messiah on the move. All along we can imagine that those who hear the Easter news wanted to stop, wanted to learn more, wanted to savor, wanted to regroup, wanted to think about it, to catch their breath. Wait, we're not ready, they seem to say. Oh, yes, you are, Christ replies in effect. And given who he is, it's hard to argue with his judgment about whom he picks and the tasks he gives and the schedule that he sets. I've got things for you to do, so travel light and get on with it. Four more verses in chapter 24 of Luke, four more to get through the ascension, and we're done. Then off to the next book, off into Acts and a new chapter of kingdom building. There is an unfortunate human tendency that we think we ought to be on the inside. Not CEO, I suppose. There's already Jesus CEO, a book title on religious bookshelf shelves. No, maybe just COO, the operating officer. After all, we've got it right. We know what's what. We've got the formula. If you think that way, maybe even if you don't, before you leave this seminary, go read Laman Sana, translating the message. Witness and let go. It's about missions and culture and how Jesus turns things upside down with this message. 
So what is it with the women and the second-tier disciples getting the word first? At least now when it's time to build the church, the inner circle seems to be back on top, out front, and actually, thankfully, as we read on, we know that they did seem to get the task right. They did travel fast and light and do their job. But as time passes, it's all too easy to see no farther than our experience and horizons. Yes, go into all the world and make it look like Iowa. My wife told me not to say that. She said that's insulting to Iowa. Make it Nebraska. It doesn't really matter. We have friends and relatives in, in Iowa and Nebraska, and they get it. They understand. They realize that they're not about to be bogged down in some kind of parochial approach that that phrase suggests. But so often, we're willing and maybe even able to go. We wish he'd call first, but even if he doesn't, that's okay. We've got things well in hand. We like to be comfortable. But who was comfortable in Luke 24? The risen Christ doesn't give them time for that, and that's good. Too much time and we start to think it's all about us, how we lay out grand plans and organized, and we're not satisfied that others repent, believe, embrace the message, and turn around and take it to their own. Now we feel constrained also to tell them how things ought to be and how they ought to look. One of my favorite lines comes from a pagan, from Pericles, general and leader of Athens in the days of the Peloponnesian War. He remembered the sacrifices made by his people of the city of Athens in the war with Sparta. And then he reminded Athens, yes, we honor them, but the world is a sepulcher of indispensable men. It is sobering, but true. The women at the tomb, where are they now? The Emmaus pair, the disciple core, and the countless since? The world is a sepulcher of indispensable men and women, save one, save one. There is an indispensable man and a sepulcher that is empty, but a message that is full, full of love and grace and forgiveness and life. There is a Jesus who lives and that's enough. No need for him to call first. He's way out front of us on this one, you know, keeping us moving and happily giving us again today the good news. Christ is risen. We sing the next hymn.